All over Virginia, we have turned our old rails into trails. And we have come upon wonderful pieces of real estate. People make jokes and say that the railroads have the best real estate in the state because a lot of them were built right on waterfront property. Unfortunately, that has been part of the downfall of the railroads that ended up becoming trails because they were no longer to be railroads any longer. They were being washed out. So what I want to do tonight is take a journey across the state and we're going to go from trail to trail and train to train crossing the Commonwealth on Virginia's rail trails. Here we are at a sideways view of the railroad crossing up at Green Cove Depot. And Green Cove sits near the border of both North Carolina and Tennessee. And it is a stop on the Virginia Creeper Trail. And it's a rather snowy little corner of southeastern uh, Washington County, Virginia, which is one of the many locations in the United States that was named for George Washington. That's where I live today, and that's my big inspiration for this particular book, was I have been around the Virginia Creeper Trail for over 20 years, and uh, walking it, taking dogs out there, taking kids on some of their first steps out there, and even got a chance back in 2004 to ride with the governor. Governor Mark Warner took a ride on the Virginia Creeper Trail, and I volunteered being a newspaper reporter. I thought that'd be a good way for me to kind of get a good story going here. We took off in Abingdon, and I thought, you know, I thought he's gonna make a nice long journey. They're gonna come along, they're gonna stop at a bridge, and somebody's gonna say, Governor, we need $10,000 to fix this bridge. And the governor's gonna say, all right, that's fine. And they're gonna go on to the next place and say, Governor, we need $5,000 for park benches to really make this a better place. It'll be like, okay, that's another good idea. And we would make a nice long journey all day long and it would be wonderful and I'd take all my notes and take my pictures and get a great story out of it. What happened is the governor just took right off, flying. And the next thing you know, he was there from Abingdon to Damascus in 15 miles. He was there in like an hour and six minutes. And I was still going, <laughs> huffing and puffing back there with a the policeman who was supposed to be at the end of the motorcade for the governor. As we were moving along, eventually we got to a little town called Alvarado. And as we got to Alvarado, the policeman decided he was going to get on a pickup truck and he left. So we didn't, I didn't see him. So I finally got in there one hour and 26 minutes. I was about 20 minutes behind the governor, but I did finally make it all the way down to Damascus. This is trestle number 46 on the Virginia Creeper Trail. And this is one of the cover pictures in the book. And as I was taking this particular photograph, I was sitting over, standing over here by the side. And it was a warm day last year. And this is the first trestle that you will go down on a bicycle when you're going from White Top Station to Green Cove on the Virginia Creeper. The Virginia Creeper was built on a, it's, it's a 34 mile long trail built on a railroad. And as you're going from White Top Station to Green Cove, you're going downhill like this. You're not pedaling on your bicycle at any rate. It's 15 miles an hour at least. 
In fact, the early brochures of the Virginia Creepers Trail said there was a speed limit of 15 miles an hour. They didn't want people flying too fast on their bicycles. So this is the curvy trestle number 46. There's actually 47 trestles on, or bridges on the trail. As I was standing here off to the side to shoot the photograph, just before I did, there was this crazy little girl, poor little thing, didn't have a helmet on, she was probably six years old, and she's riding and just kind of going on down, and she's yelling, get out of the way, get out of the way, and I, I stayed out of the way, but I was off on the side there. So the Virginia Creeper has these beautiful scenes. This is going across the headwaters of South Holston Lake, looking up the South Fork of the Holston River. This is looking up the middle fork of the Holston River. And this is the White Top Laurel Falls. It's a very popular place for fly fishermen. When the railroad was in operation, when this was the Abingdon branch of the Norfolk and Western Railway, the fly fishermen would flag down the slow running train. And they'd say, hey guys, can we get on? And they would get on the train and they would go up and they would drop them off to little fishing holes like this. And then as that train went all the way over to West Jefferson, North Carolina, and originally Elkland, North Carolina, what is now Todd, as it was coming back, those fly fishermen made a point that they'd flag everyone down and they would jump back on that slow moving train and of course they'd have their trout strings loaded. But that was a common thing with this old railroad because it was a very casual run. Taylor's Valley is, over, is so far over in Virginia the only way you can get to this community on a paved road is you have to drive into Tennessee and then come back up into it. Otherwise, you're on a gravel road that will really test your nerves, your patience, and your blood pressure. Taylor's Valley is a two-story depot. It's not there anymore, and it's been replaced by a camp car. Now, a camp car looks like a caboose, but it was actually used by the railroad workers to camp out as they were working on the railroad. This is what the Virginia Creeper Trail looks like on any typical day in the summertime. Families out riding their bicycles, and, but they might have just stopped for ice cream there at Taylor's Valley. That's one of the stops. The big stops is over in Taylor's Valley coming back down that trail. There's a little ice cream stand and boy, they make a killing. Can anybody know where this is? Virginia, yes. This is the Washington Old Dominion Trail. And this is the most popular of these rail trails in the, entire, uh, in, in the entire state, and it is one of the most popular trails in the entire country. The Washington Old Dominion Trail stretches 44 miles long, has three million visitors a year. And we're right up in the Leesburg area right here, and it goes all the way down to Purcellville. Purcellville is the end of the line. The end of the line actually, when it was a railroad, went all the way to Bluemont. Now, Bluemont is right at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains. That's how it got its name, Bluemont. It was supposed to have gone, if it had already been, it had been the way it was set up, it was supposed to have linked Alexandria to Harper's Ferry and then way out into West Virginia, out to the coal mines. It never got that far. The Civil War got in the way, and when they finally got construction going again after the Civil War, they got as far as Bluemont. And that was way towards uh, the end of the 1800s. And after a few years, they pulled it back and they went as far as Purcellville. Purcellville today, you'll get your first glimpse of the mountains and you can go out there and walk through this particular uh, landmark, which is the Clark's Gap Tunnel. And the Clark's Gap Tunnel is the highest point on the railroad, 600 feet above sea level, not very high. But it is one of the 
great landmarks of the Washington Old Dominion Trail and the West, which is the least populated area of the trail, and the least used, but it's probably the most scenic, arguably the most scenic, and it also goes past the privately owned Hamilton Station, and here it gives you a little bit of idea of where it's going. Sterling, Smithswitch Station, Ashburn. Ashburn got its name, some say, because there was an ash tree and it burned for a week. That's the legend. It goes through Leesburg and Hamilton and Purcellville. And back the other way, you're going into inside the inner beltway, almost back into Washington, D.C. So this is a little view of what it looked like back in the day. And today you'll actually go across this bridge on Goose Creek up in Leesburg. And now the Washington Old Dominion is always known as the WNOD. Hardly anybody is going to call it the Washington Old Dominion. Everyone calls it the WNOD. And that's what they called the railroad when it was running, the WNOD. Except back in the day, it was kind of falling apart and it was running slow. And after a while, W and OD didn't stand for Washington and Old Dominion, it stood for wobbly, old, and dilapidated. <laughs> the Elizabeth River Trail, over 10 miles long, and it was inspired by a rail trail project. And it was inspired by taking the old Atlantic City Spur and turning it into a trail. And the residents of, of Ghent wanted more access over to the river. So they decided to start lobbying and got with the Norfolk Historical Society and others and work with the city in turning this into a rail trail. And that rail trail, that half mile long section, eventually spurred the connections that went on, as you see, all the way up to the Lafayette River and all the way back down into the other parts of the city. One of the great parts of this was that when the Midtown Tunnel was built, this is looking in, this is before all the construction, this is back in 2009, is that you had this crossing where I'm at here on the bicycle, you've got this, this crossing that was built in for the railroad. Had that not been there, there would have been really no way to have gotten across at all. So that really was uh, the big linchpin that, that got everything going. Of course, now we can see out looking out at Plum Point Park. Plum Point Park was kind of built with the, the sludge and everything that was dug up to, big, to big, build the Midtown Tunnel. It was all piled up, put on with the dirt, and ended up becoming a point. And now we've called it Plum Point. So Virginia Beach also has one of these trails. This is the Norfolk Avenue Trail. And you hear a lot about extending the tide into Virginia Beach, out to the town center, and eventually out to the possibly out to the ocean. One thing you couldn't do though is that you're going to have to figure out what to do with this trail. This is right on the main line that would go back to the tide. The main line out to Virginia Beach actually started from the dreams of a gentleman named Marshall B. Parks who was a Norfolk businessman and he was the one who actually bestowed the name Virginia Beach on that untamed shore and he was a railroad man and, and a businessman and had a hotel out there at the oceanfront. And today, the last end of that railroad crosses over Parks Avenue, named for him, and you can still see here off to the right a railroad tie that's still right off to the side of the Norfolk Avenue Trail. It's a mile and a half long. Here's a 1919 map of Virginia Beach showing right where we went. And this was, 
They used to have these rail buses that would travel over 50 miles an hour on these tracks. Notice Rudy Inlet in those days was spelled R-U-D-Y, not R-U-D-E-E -E as it is today. And we have rifle range and rifle range junction. A lot of rifles back then in 1919. Going up to the eastern shore, we're at the Southern Tip Bike and Hike Trail. This is part of the old Cape Charles Railroad. And here you're paralleling US Highway 13. And it's a beautiful trail out through the woods. And the wonderful thing is that every tenth of a mile is labeled. So when you get up there, you'll never get lost, even though it's only 2.6 miles long. Here my bicycle is showing up again. This time we're going way out to the far end of the state, out here towards the Kentucky border. At this point, we're in Buckhannon County, Virginia, which is named for President James Buchanan. Did you catch that? They changed it a little bit out there. This is the Bull Creek Bike and Hike Trail. This was built on the old Harmon uh, Railroad, which was another spur of the Norfolk and Western Railway. And it goes through a small coal mining community up in, in the mountains. And it's a mile and a half long. Now the Jefferson National Forest, or the George Washington and Jefferson National Forest, also has several waterfalls and trails through there that you can go past, and a lot of them were built on old railroad lines. This is the Falls of Little Stony, which is 2.8 miles long. It is the Little Stony National Recreation Trail, and it's in Scott County, Virginia, between Dungannon and Coburn. That's a 24-foot-high fall. This is the 12-foot-high Middle Falls, and this is the 30-foot-high Lower Falls. And um, all of this, again, is on a logging line, and it's, it's kind of a moderate trail as you go through. Up in Pound, Virginia, Pound is where Napoleon Hill comes from. He was uh, the author of Think and Grow Rich, and um, sold millions of copies of that book. And there were several others who, who've come from the Pound, Virginia area. But the Phillips Creek Loop Trail is one of the interesting points up there in the Jefferson National Forest. This is a wonderful little waterfall that's 15 feet high. Most of the trail looks like this. It's just a nice, comfortable walk in the woods. A very small portion of this mile-long trail was actually built on a railroad grade. So it, again, gets to join the rank of the 45 trails that I profiled in this book that are now rails turned to trails. My first book called Southwest Virginia Crossroads got me really interested in all of the rails and the trails. And I looked at it with this particular book the 17 counties and four cities that sit southwest of Roanoke. And with the rail trail book, I decided to go out and get a little bit deeper and just obviously focus on the rails and the trails. And so many of them are in the southwestern part of the state. Now we're looking into the tunnel that was known as the Beverly Tunnel, now known as the Swede Tunnel, built in 1922. This is up in Wise County, Virginia, not far, about five miles away from the Falls of Little Stony. And here's the map of when it was the Interstate Railroad. Notice it's called Beverly Tunnel. Of course, I just told you it was called the Swede Tunnel, named for its Swedish builders. Swede is. And as you go through, you have to wear a hat because it's going to be leaking as you go through. And um, you'll always have a lot of water falling down right there. Now the B-Rock Tunnel was known as the shortest tunnel in the world out in Appalachia. The B-Rock Tunnel is in Wise County, Virginia, and this is one of the 
railroads turn to trails that is still waiting to turn into a trail. This is a little three mile long potential trail that is between Big Stone Gap and Appalachia. But first now, how did it get its name B-Rock? Well, they had some dynamite when they blew up, open that little hole. It dislodged a nest of honeybees and the honeybees came over and started stinging everybody and they started calling that thing the B-Rock. Well now, how did it become the shortest tunnel in the world? Well, it was 47 feet, seven inches long. So they start saying, you know, that's gotta be the shortest tunnel in the world. And then someone went on another branch of the Louisville National Railroad, the Scottsville branch. And they noticed, oops, we have a tunnel over here that is a foot shorter. Now that one is 46 feet and seven inches long, so that'll have to be the shortest tunnel in the world. Still, nothing can actually be shorter than this darn thing. I got to dip two miles into Tennessee to show you this one, but this has a good Virginia connection. A lot of people actually think that the backbone rock right here just south of Damascus, Virginia is inside of Virginia. This is Tennessee Route 133. This tunnel is as short as 22 feet long. And as we started talking out about the Virginia Creeper Trail, this was a tunnel that was built on the Beaver Dam Railroad and the Beaver Dam Railroad ran from Damascus, Virginia to Shady Valley, Tennessee. So this hooked right back up to the main line in Virginia, the Virginia Carolina Railway, which became the Virginia Creeper Trail. And you see this little notch right up there at the top? This was cut out specifically because it could not get the smokestacks of the locomotives to pass through that rock. So they cut that little notch out so they could get that through. We're in Lynchburg now. The Hollins Tunnel or the Hollins Mill Tunnel is the most beautiful tunnel that you will see in any of the rail trails. And it's also the only one you're gonna find with lights. And it's part of the old Virginia and Tennessee Railroad. And Lynchburg has done a wonderful job presenting eight and a half miles of railroad corridors as the James River Heritage Trail. This is a vintage picture showing the tracks. Got this from the Norfolk Southern Archives. At, up at Virginia Tech, and this is that same bridge today, and as a pedestrian patch, it's going over to Percival's Island. Percival's Island was where the island yard was, which was a big railroad yard out when the railroad was in business. The Virginia Central Railway up in Fredericksburg has partially become the Virginia Central Bicycle Trail. Now the Virginia Central Bicycle Trail runs about two and a half miles long, and there's also another Virginia Central bicycle trail. It's called the Virginia Central Rail Trail that's on the other side of, of the interstate, of Interstate 95. It's in downtown Fredericksburg. This is in Spotsylvania County. They'd like to connect the two, but again, Interstate 95 is in between. You're going to have to figure out a way to go over, that's not going to happen, or under, and I don't know how that's going to happen either. But somehow they do want to connect those spots and get them around Interstate 95. Now the Dahlgren Railroad Heritage Trail up in King George County, this is on the Northern Neck, and it is one of the most unique projects we have in the state because the whole darn thing was built on private land. Here's the trail. Now what's going on with it is you had a railroad that got to Dahlgren that was built during, as, during, as a secret during World War II, and it was going to munitions plant in Dahlgren. And what was going on is it was built undercover. Now this was a unique situation because some of the railroads in the state were being shut down and scrapped for their parts during World War II as part of the war effort. 
So we lost some parts of the railroads out in the Salem area and also in Patrick County towards Martinsville. We had a couple of railroads that shut down then and those eventually became parts of rail trails today. This one again, built in secret. Well, what happened to it is eventually the government abandoned this and a gentleman came upon it and he has built his own rail trail out there with a group of volunteers and friends. And today you sign up and get a permit to go out on the Dahlgren Railroad Heritage Trail. The permit is essentially because they're trying to keep track of how many people are there because they want to eventually get the state support to turn this into a park. Because we have parks that were built on railroads. The High Bridge Trail State Park is one of our newest and most wonderful additions to the state park system. It's 31 miles long and it's paralleling US Highway 460. Here it is crossing Highway 460 and here it is on what it's all named for. 2,600 feet long, roughly half a mile, nearly half a mile. This is the Great High Bridge out in the Farmville area. Now, the High Bridge goes back to the 1850s. And the wonderful thing about it was, it was known as the High Bridge and it was not named in any kind of light form at all. When it was built, it was just a huge structure. C.O. Sanford, who was the chief engineer of the railroad, the Southside Railroad that connected Petersburg to Lynchburg, he said there have been higher bridges not so long and longer bridges not so high, but taking the length and height together, this is perhaps the largest bridge in the world. But that's not the bridge he's talking about. The bridge we have right here, the pedestrian passage, is the second high bridge. But do you see these piers right here on the side to the left? That is the remains of the first bridge. That's what you're walking across today. Here we are looking into a camera lens 150 years ago in 1865. And in fact, Timothy O'Sullivan, that's the photographer leaning on the rail, took this picture of himself. So this is a selfie from 150 years ago. So you tell your teenagers and your family, selfies have been around a long time. Now what was going on with the High Bridge was when the retreat was going on and Richmond was in flames, Robert E. Lee's gentlemen were, and his soldiers were running out to the west. Now Jefferson Davis was already down in Danville. He'd set up the last capital, the, what was now known as the last capital of the Confederacy. And Robert E. Lee's men in the retreat were running across the state and as they got to this big valley of the Appomattox River, they decided what they needed to do was to burn that bridge to keep the Union forces on the other side. But see, the Union had that idea first. They first wanted to burn the bridge so the Confederates couldn't get across. Well, that was April 6th. The Confederates stopped them. The Confederates got across. On April 7th, the Confederates started burning the bridge. But let's look real close down here to the right. Do you see that little white spot down there, that little sliver? That's the wagon bridge. The wagon bridge had just been built to go across the river and all the Union soldiers had to do, even with the wagon bridge in flames, the big high bridge in flames, they just, the river was up so high they just had to dump their canteen into the river, pour it out in front of them and keep running. And that's what they did. April 7th, 1865, we know what happened on April 9th of 1865 at Appomattox Courthouse with the surrender. So the high bridge had to be rebuilt, and what a, what a big job that was. 
So here we see the high bridge being rebuilt in 1865 so the trains could get going again before the end of the year because the Southside Railroad was a very big important link in Virginia's transportation system, even then. Here we have the bridge that was constructed in 1914. And I showed you these wonderful pictures with the guardrails and the fog and it's kind of mystic and all that kind of stuff. But it looks a little scary if I told you, now you're gonna be walking across this. Of course, we don't see any handrails or anything, but this is what you're actually walking across where this big train is. And you can still see those piers off to the side, standing rather silently, but of course, what stories they could tell us. Here we are looking down at them today. The Prospect Depot was one of many stops. Prospect was one of many stops along this route. This route eventually was abandoned because Norfolk Southern decided that the high bridge was just too much to keep up. It was too expensive. You know, it was a lot of money to build the darn thing in the first place. The only reason that it was even built was the people of Farmville said that well, we don't want the train to go past our town. We wanted to go through our town. So here's $100,000 in railroad subscription stock. Would you please build us something to go across? So even though the Appomattox River is only 60 or 70 feet wide, you had this half mile long valley and they built it anyway. So today you still have some stops along the route and it was eventually cut off over 31 miles, 31 miles became the trail, but over 31 miles there's still some other connectors of how it bypassed all of Farmville and it's silent today to the trains. Prospect Depot, Prospect Depot today. Needs a little tender loving care. The High Bridge Trail State Park in Elam, Virginia. This is in downtown Farmville, the old depot you'll pass. Farmville again. And you can tie your bike to a bike in Farmville. The Virginian Railway was a connector from West Virginia to Norfolk. And this was to bring the West Virginia coal down here to town. And it went through little towns like Victoria. Victoria was a big railroad yard. And it got its name actually from Queen Victoria up in Lunenburg County, and today they have a little portion, three or four miles, it's been extended uh, as, as in the last year or two, and they are continually to extend this trail out into the woods, and it's just a pleasant little walk out in the pines. The Tobacco Heritage Trail is one of the most ambitious plans in all of Virginia, and it's a plan to actually turn over 150 miles of abandoned railroads into trails. They're getting a pretty good start. The first 17 miles was opened last year, a continuous 17 miles. And there's little spats every, spots every, across the state as well. Victoria is actually known as part of the Tobacco Heritage Trail. Now this is the longest section from Lawrenceville down across the Meharan River through Broadnax, La Crosse or La Crosse as some people say, and up to South Hill, paralleling Highway 58. This was the construction of the Meharan River Bridge. This was built on some 1939 piers that were built for the railroad. And that's what it looks like today with the bridge completed. It's a 300 foot long crossing. The Tobacco Heritage Trail starts off, the first mile is going through the old town. This is 95 miles back to Norfolk. And then we get out in the woods. It's quite a beautiful view out through Brunswick County. Three bridges cross over Great Creek. 
course, we have little, see little railroad tracks for our crossing, past the old Broadnax Depot. At this point, you're actually going on a road to go through because the road was built where the railroad grade was. Now, South Boston, where we are to right now, this is just a little west of La Crosse and going down Highway 58 corridor again, almost to Danville at this point. South Boston also has a little section of the Tobacco Heritage Trail. It's almost three miles long, and it looks a lot like what you had over there in Brunswick County with the split rail fences. It goes past the duck pond, and then it got to this. And everybody I was out there asked, they said, you get all the way down there in them rock cuts? I said, sir. And they said, you get all the way down the rock cut, you see what them rock cuts were? And I said, yeah. What do you mean? Boy, they're interesting, ain't they all in way them cut them rocks down there? And I was like, yeah, I'm from Southwest Virginia now. I mean, we got these everywhere. You know, it's, I, but it was unique. It is unique out to Halifax County in South Boston for people to see rock cuts. Um, they're on every road where I live, so I, I didn't notice them to any great degree. The Stanton River, as the Stanton River Battlefield and the Stanton River Battlefield State Park, this is not the cross, this is the crossing that today is on the rail trail up at the state park, but this is not what was there during the Civil War. Back during the Civil War, Captain Fahrenheit, Benjamin Fahrenheit, had this plan in which he was guarding this bridge because General Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, he was telling the Union, burn every bridge you possibly can and stop these guys from running on the railroads. And they specifically tar targeted this crossing on the Stanton River. So they came down and, and, and the plan was they would, they would burn the bridge. Fahrenheit had this plan in which, he, working for the Confederacy, he says, you know what I think I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start running trains back and forth across this bridge. And that's what he did. Hour after hour after hour. Up, a couple guys would get on, back. Up, a couple guys get on and back. Back and forth, back and forth. It was a game he was playing because the spies were already up in the hills looking down at the bridge, trying to figure out what was going on. By the time they got to the Mulberry Plantation, Nancy McPhail, who was there at the Mulberry Plantation, she says, oh, you better watch out. She told the union, I would venture to guess there's as many as 10,000 troops ready to defend that bridge. Well, it turned out there was only a few hundred old men and young boys that were going to defend that bridge, but when the day came, the Union charged, didn't work, they charged again, hardly working, and then they said, yeah, I think we're gonna quit, and they ran away. They were so outnumbering the Confederates, but they ended up defending, Confederates defended the bridge. And that bridge looks a lot like this one. This is on the Riverwalk Trail up in Danville. Danville is most famously known, of course, in train history as the wreck of, where the wreck of the old 97 occurred. But the unique thing about the Riverwalk Trail is part of the Richmond and Danville Railroad. And you also have the Richmond and Danville Rail Trail, which was part of the Richmond and Danville Railroad. This is five and a half miles going through Danville and Pennsylvania County. And you're actually going in the path that Jefferson Davis used when he was escaping Richmond. 
Every half mile is marked. The unique thing is, whichever side you park, whether it's at Sutherland or at Ringgold, you're actually going up and back down. So on a bicycle, it's very comfortable because you'll go up and then come back down the hill and you'll always have a downhill ride back to your car. Some people call it the Ringgold Deep uh, Trail because of the Ringgold Depot. Now Ringgold got its name from Samuel J. Ringgold, who was a war hero, though some people say, no, no, no. It actually got its name because we had a gold mine here, but it wasn't very successful. In fact, it was rather small, and to tell you the truth, we only had enough gold to make one ring. <laughs> Highway 58 down here at the bottom, and we have the Sutherland over to Ringgold. So a lot of these are along the Highway 58 corridor. The rail trail in Martinsville is known as the Uptown Trail, the City Spur Trail, and it connects into a longer trail in downtown Martinsville. This was when it was under, just before the construction, and today the Danville and Western is known as the Dick and Willie. That's what they call the D&W, they call it the Dick and Willie, and the Dick and Willie Passage. And you will notice that Martinsville's trail, four and a half miles long, is seemingly in the middle of, in the middle of everywhere. Tokyo, 6,826 miles, Las Vegas, 1,949, and Virginia Beach, what is that, 200 and some, 212. So they kind of got us on the map there too. The Virginia Blue Ridge Railway Trail, is another one of the great ones in the state, yet it's not that long, it's almost seven miles long, and it goes along the Nelson Amherst County line through Piney River, and Nelson County, you may know from your history, is where the Waltons are from, so this is on the other side of John Boy country. They have rock cuts, and they don't make a big deal out of them over there, so they just, they just, they don't even tell you about them because they know they're there. But it has these beautiful trestles that are going across, and this was actually, um, in the hurricane that came through in 1969, actually pushed this off the side, and it was actually left kind of twisted and, and not fully in line, but they left that bridge intact and let the railroad keep running anyway. So here's the diesels that ran, and they were actually running steam on this line all the way into the early 1960s, which was after Norfolk and Western quit running the steam trains in the late 1950s. You go under US Highway 29, along a couple little rivers, through a covered bridge, which was not part of the railroad. In fact, the gentleman who put this whole thing together, Steve and the late Popey Martin, his wife just passed away, Steve Martin, who's not, has the same name as the comedian, but he is a, he's, but he had, he does have a sense of humor. Um, he said, well, why don't we add a covered bridge? And the, the volunteer said, why? And he said, just because I want a covered bridge. Let's go ahead and put a covered bridge out there. So you go over Naked Creek, at least it's covered. <laughs> Here we have a railroad uh, tip car or tilt car. You might hear it two different ways. And here's Emily Harper, the director of Parks and Recreation in Nelson County. And she is out um, demonstrating how this has been rebuilt at the very end. The only way you can get here is you have to go five miles from the last crossing at Rose's Mill. Now, tracks have been rebuilt on a couple of railroads that are now trails. As you saw the demonstration site there at the end of the Virginia Blue Ridge Railway Trail. This is one that I had on my list to track down and it's just off the Blue Ridge Parkway. And that's my little boy right there. Again, he's eight years old. 
And here he is walking along what is now a reconstruction of the Irish Creek Railway up at Wigwam Falls and also known as Yankee Horse Ridge. And the Blue Ridge Parkway architects in the 1950s went back and rebuilt this little railroad as a demonstration. This is the shortest of the rail trails in the state. And in fact, the Blue Ridge Parkway officials, one of them thought I was a little bit on the crazy side when I said I wanted to write about this. He said, it's kind of just a demonstration. I said, it's a railroad turned into a trail, even though it's a couple hundred feet long, it's still a trail. So here we are up in the woods looking down at the tracks. There's your parkway right down there in the parking lot. So it's a, it's a neat little thing. And don't forget to go to Wigwam Falls when you're there. That's just off of the trail. Now here we are up on the Jackson River Scenic Trail. The Jackson River Scenic Trail at one time was known as the Jackson River Scenic Railroad. And a Mr. Showalter was there and he had a steam engines and he said he pumped every dime he had into these steam engines to run the Jackson River Scenic Railroad. Today this is up in the Covington area and it goes on the old Hot Springs branch of the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. And it's still awaiting a lot of construction work as it goes through. You can still see one of the trestles here that's on the northern end of the trail and you don't want to go across that. But it is actually open to the public, but again, you don't want to go across one that looks like that. Balcony Falls is 16 miles away from this point. Now, as you go through this area of Lexington, one of the most unique parts about this is that this river is not known as what it used to be. This was the North River and the South River came together. But the Maury River is now what the North River is called. And I wonder why the North River got to be called the Maury River. Now, Maury was one of the uh, faculty members up at Virginia Military Institute. And of course, you had the South and North coming together. So it made sense that you'd have the South and North together, because you usually put a South and a North together. And you don't just drop the North to become Maury. But if you think about it in Lexington, Lexington is the final resting spot of General Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. I think the last name you'd want on that river is the North. <laughs> Up in Salem, you have the Hanging Rock Battlefield Trail. This was on the Catawba branch of the Norfolk and Western Railway. So Norfolk, just in name, comes into almost all of these. Norfolk or Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. All of these names go right back to the coastal Virginia, Tidewater, Hampton Roads area. And I'm using all three of those monikers tonight. <laughs> Hanging Rock Battlefield Trail actually has taken its name from a Civil War incident that happened long before this was a railroad. And it's just a short little trail. I first discovered uh, Salem as far as writing about in, in books. I'd, I'd known of Salem all my life. but really discovered Salem when I was writing about Monterey here in my book called Haunts of Virginia's Blue Ridge Highlands, in which I talked about ghost tales and such across all of the, uh, the, the southwestern Virginia area. And in this book, I actually wrote about one of the trails that never became a trail. It was a railroad that is known as the, the Mendota Trail out where I live in the Bristol area. Mendota is a little town up in the Washington County area up on the North Fork of the Holston River. And there's a railroad crossing there, and the story goes that this convict jumped from the bridge and that he is, he's still haunting this, this crossing and that you'll go down there and see weird lights down in the river. 
Well, as I was working on the rail trail book, I came across this wonderful photo in Saltville. Now in the Haunts of Virginia's Blue Ridge Highland book, I talked about Patrick Henry's sister, Madame Elizabeth Henry Russell, and how she was living in a little cabin. And the cabin was eventually torn down in the early 1900s because nobody wanted to live there. And then I was able to get a picture of the cabin. After the cabin was torn down, today it's believed the ghosts or the spirits or whatever is haunting everybody and freaking them out has moved into the church. And this is the church that's named for her. And here it is under construction in 1898. Now the cabin, you see the little shack here on the right, kind of in the center of the photo. The cabin is the little building right to the right of the church. And it has the little chimney popping up at the side of it. But for the purposes of a rail trail, this is the salt branch. And the salt branch went into Saltville, which was known as the last, which was known as the capital of the salt capital of the Confederacy because of the salt deposits that were up here. The salt deposits right along the Washington-Smith County border, salt was used for more than just a tabletop condiment. It was used to salt down food. It was, to, it was used for a very variety of reasons. And they had been bringing salt out of this valley since the 1700s. And finally, in 1856, they got a railroad through there. And the railroad eventually was kaput, and today you have a trail that has been built on the salt branch. It's kind of a rough trail at times. Sometimes it washes out. This is a scene right in the middle of it in Washington County. And as you can kind of see, it looks like it could get a little muddy, and it probably needs some sort of a surface covering. But it goes through a lot of these canyon-type uh, scenes. This is the Ten Bridge Trestle that is up on the Salt Branch. The Ten Bridge Trestle has been rebuilt, and today that's what it looks like. This again is in Washington County, just before you get into Smith County where Saltville is. Saltville actually straddles the county border, Washington and Smith County. But the problem with the Salt Trail is it's kind of like the, the trail at Chessy, the Chessy Nature Trail, and it's like the Tobacco Heritage Trail. It's a problem only in the fact that you can't follow from one end of it to the next on the railroad corridor. You have to get off and go on a road at one point because it's going through an area called Plaster Co. Plaster Co is where plaster was being mined out of the ground. And eventually there was a cave-in in the 1980s. And when this cave-in came in, that also made the land around the railroad unstable. So all of that is fenced off like a no man's land. So today, to go from the very far end in Saltville, you go 1.8 miles, then you get off, go for about three miles on the road, and then get up, back up on this 10 bridge trestle, and then go another five and a half miles until you get almost to Glade Spring, Virginia. The Chessie Nature Trail, because of all these bridges washing out, has got the same problem. Tobacco Heritage Trail, again, at Broadnax, they had already paved the railroad grade into a road, so that's what happened there. When I was working on the Rail Trail book, I'd also worked on this book here with the Historical Society of Washington County, Virginia, based in Abingdon. And out in Washington County, it is a big, big deal about the railroads because the actual Historical Society is based inside of the old Abingdon passenger station on the main line going back here to Norfolk. And this is a scene from the Virginia Creeper Trail, 1905, and up at the top is 2011. And this is the scene blown up at the bottom. And these are the gentlemen on the Virginia Carolina Railway. 
Now, Wilton Egerton Mingi, he had this idea that he was going to take this old train, what became the Abingdon branch of the Northwestern Railway, and he went out riding around one day, and he knew what had happened here. The thing just kept coming and going and coming and going through a series of fits and starts. It was initially established as the Abingdon Coal and Iron Railroad in 1887. Investors dreamed of shipping large loads of iron from Damascus, but that plan ran out of money in the panic of 1893. By the late 1890s, however, Wilton Egerton Mingi came on the scene and he would later recall his involvement in a memoir. And if you want to know what he looks like, look down at the far right corner. He's the guy with the white hat on. He wrote in his memoir, I knew about the old bankrupt Abingdon Coal and Iron Railroad, and I talked it over with Mr. F.B. Hurd of Abingdon many times. Finally, we made a horseback trip down into Shady Valley, down Beaver Creek to Damascus, along the deserted railroad grade to Abingdon. We were riding all day in a pouring rain, and we were drinking moonshine. I saw enough prospective traffic for a short railroad, and I conceived the idea of building this road myself. Here he is in 1905 with all of the Abingdon bigwigs and all the guys from Southwest Virginia, and he's trying to get these guys to invest in the Virginia Carolina Railway. So they're posing for photos. And this is that scene over a century later, today with a scene here on the Virginia Creeper. A1, not a steak sauce. Abingdon is one mile from this particular point. Now, the Virginia Creeper has inspired its own life. It was established in the 1980s. The last train ran on this line on March 31st, 1977. And at 34 miles long, it is one of the most popular rail trails in the state with about 150 to 250,000 annual visitors. And that's pretty darn good because the, the nucleus, the center point, is the town of Damascus. Damascus has a thousand year rear round residents, 1,000 residents, but they've got a trail that attracts about roughly 200,000 people every year. And they attract this guy out here in the front with the yellow. This is Lawrence Dye. Lawrence Dye has ridden his bicycle on this trail over 185,000 miles. If you had a car with 185,000 miles, you might think about trading it in, but nobody wants to trade in Lawrence Dye. He's become the ambassador of the Virginia Creeper Trail. And in fact, during the Virginia Highlands Festival each August, you can ride with the legend, as they say, and actually get on your bike in Abingdon and ride all the way to White Top Station, 33 miles, and then ride all the way back, 33 miles, 66 miles to ride with Lawrence. Now Lawrence is in his 80s now, and he's slowing down, but he used to ride five days a week that same run, and he would leave at 6 a.m. and get all the way up and stop off at Green Cove Station, where we started some of this journey, and he'd shake hands with everybody, and everybody wanted to talk to him, and he'd ride back down. He's never, never been married, he's a retired school teacher living in Bristol, and just loves this trail. Here he is on trestle number seven on the Virginia Creeper, and the reason he's out on trestle number seven right here is this was a scene from last spring, and this trestle had been destroyed during the tornadoes that struck the Southwest Virginia area. You might have heard about the tornadoes hitting Glade Spring, Virginia. It also knocked down trestle number seven, which had been built roughly by Mr. Mingy in roughly about 1899-900. And it was just knocked down into smithereens, and they rebuilt it. It's a little bit shorter. It's got a little bit of a bump there at the end. But here he is breaking the 
breaking this open. Another scene looking off over the South Holston trestle. This is a scene on Route 91, and this is the old Virginia Creeper going down into Boone, North Carolina, in Mountain City, Tennessee. And um, today, this was uh, another photo I got from the Virginia Department of Transportation. And they had these pictures really because of the road construction projects. But what they had behind was this incredible railroad scenes like this. White Top Station, this is the original White Top Station. This has been torn down and we have a new one up at White Top Station now. This is what you're actually riding down when you're on the Virginia Creeper. What we're looking at here is White Top Mountain. And in 1933, this is the mountain that Eleanor Roosevelt visited when she went up to the White Top Music Festival. And the train was running then, but kind of as a little insult to the train, some people say, is that she didn't actually ride the train wobbling all the way up those hills and, and around all those creeks and such. She actually was in a car when she came down to Abingdon and then went on up to the mountain. It was a little bit easier travel than going up on that train and, and never knowing when you were going to finally get there because, of course, they're stopping to pick up all the fishermen and everything else. But you're riding back down on this thing right now. And again, this is that three-mile-long journey that you're going from White Top Station down to the Green Cove Depot, steadily downhill. This is what it looked like when the railroad ran, because today it's all trees. And you're not going to see scenes like this, because the railroad doesn't want a bunch of trees all over the place, because the trees could fall down on the tracks. The Green Cove Depot, after the train stopped running in 1977, there's a scene from 1981, needed some tender loving care. Here it is today. It's been restored as a wonderful um, resource inside the Mount Rogers National Recreation Area. And it's the, it is the, everyone stops there once they get the first three miles done right downhill. And the thing about it, how do you get up there to go downhill? That's why Damascus has boomed so much. And Damascus is looked at kind of as a poster child for rail trails across Virginia. Damascus was kind of a boarded up little factory town along Highway 58. And they looked at this railroad that went through and there was this one lady named Phoebe Cartwright who took an old church van and she says, you know what? The trail just goes straight down from White Top down to here. And she was riding her bike and, and all, all of her friends were saying, it's like the whole thing is downhill. And it is, it's downhill. So she just got this old church van and she started hauling people and their bicycles up there. Now there's a dozen bike shuttle services in Damascus, hauling thousands of people from all over the world over on this trail. In fact, I meet people out in the Hampton Roads area all the time who talk to me and say, we're going out riding that Virginia Creeper Trail. And they love to ride this thing. And when I was out there last summer and I was interviewing some people along the way for a newspaper article that I did as well, and I was meeting people from Tennessee and North Carolina, and just one gentleman just sort of pegged the whole thing. I said, why are you out here? And he says, downhill bike ride. And that's all he wanted. <laughs> Through Green Cove, you'll also hear the stories of the Creekfield woman. Now, the farmers, this is something I told about in one of my earlier books called The Marble and Other Ghost Tales. The farmers will tell you that there's the Creekfield woman who's haunting that area and that she is roaming around the creeks and the fields and she's looking for her lost baby. And if you follow her, she'll lead, you'll lead you to a lost treasure. But now, I haven't ever heard of anybody finding the lost treasure, but that is the story that's told. 
So here's Green Cove, and that's the little map that I included with that particular ghost tale book. I also talk about a, a, a train that is, was uh, haunting a, a high school down in Tennessee in that book. Creek Junction is not far from Green Cove as you're going down the tracks. This is what it looks like today. This is what it looked like during the railroad era. So again, it seems a little scary when you look at these things without all the guardrails on the side. Now the reason it was known as Creek Junction was because you had a couple of creeks that came together, but yes, you also had a couple of railroads that came together. Here on the right is the old Conorock branch. This went up to the Conorock community that the Hassinger Lumber Company put together. Over to the left, we have the Virginia Creeper, the main line, which was later, of course, Abingdon's Abingdon Branch, Norfolk Western Railway. And now, today, the tracks that you see here off to the right is a trail that goes past handicapped accessible fishing piers on that creek. The Damascus Depot has been torn down, and where these tracks are is now the Appalachian Trail in the Damascus Town Park. Up on the New River Trail, the New River Trail, you can stay inside the Allisonia Depot, and that has been turned. It's been, it was sitting like this, and now it's been turned like this, but this is up in Pulaski County, not far from Radford and Virginia Tech. And the New River Trail was built on the old North Carolina branch, the North Carolina branch of the Norfolk and Western Railway. The North Carolina branch, even though it was named the North Carolina branch, never went to North Carolina. It was supposed to. It was supposed to get down to Mount Airy, North Carolina, but it never got any further than Galax. Still, all through the 1900s, people continued to call it the North Carolina branch. This is the Foster Falls Depot. Like the Allisonia Depot, it dates back to the 1880s. This is now used as a headquarters for the New River Trail State Park, 57 miles long. It's the longest rail trail conversion that we have in Virginia. You could actually walk, if you include the town of Pulaski's extension, the Dora Trail extension that goes two and a half miles, you could actually walk from US Highway 11 to US Highway 58 from Pulaski to Galax and stay on the trail. Now, the trail splits at Freeze Junction, and out today we would have called this Fry's Junction. Freeze changes its pronunciation according to the weather. When it's cold, they call it Freeze. When it's hot, they call it Fry's. Now, it goes down to Galax, which is Galax, though I met a man from Damascus, and he was riding down the Virginia Creeper, and he, he, he rides up to me, and I was out at a little town park, and I had a little table, and I was selling books about a month ago, and he comes riding down and says, oh, hi, I just got your book. And he looks at me and he says, do you know how far it is from here to Galax? I, I didn't want to correct him, so I said, Galax is about two hours away down Highway 58. And, uh, but Freeze is a little town that was named for Colonel France, Henry Freeze, and Colonel Freeze had come up with this plan to have a textile mill down on the New River. And today you can go past the Chestnut Creek Falls, which is down near Galax. And wrapping up tonight, I'm going to take you up to Blacksburg. And Blacksburg is where we find a, a little coal mining uh, railroad that eventually became known as the Huckleberry. Now, it was officially known as the Blacksburg branch of the Norfolk and Western Railway. Before that, it was the Virginia Anthracite Coal and Railway Company. And it went through a little community called Merrimack. And 
When it went through the Virginia Anthracite Coal and Railway Company, yes, and the Merrimack community, this is neat, got its name because of the ironclad ship right off our shores here, the Elizabeth River. They say that the coal from the little coal mine there in Montgomery County was the coal that they used to fuel the Merrimack out here in the first battle, the ironclads right off of Fort Norfolk. And that's how that little community got its name. Today you can walk right past all of the coal mines on the Huckleberry Trail. But I'm telling you about the Virginia Anthracite Coal and Railway Company. And I'm telling you that eventually it got swallowed up and Norfolk and Western got it and Norfolk and Western renamed it the Blacksburg Branch. But then I'm telling you it's called the Huckleberry. So why is it called the Huckleberry? Here's a scene in Merrimack. Well, this beautiful trail today, and here's a scene outside of Blacksburg. This beautiful trail, the story goes, one version of the story says, that in 1903, when they were building the railroad, people would ride their buggies out to Merrimack, and they would sit there and they were kind of going, wow, look at those railroad workers. This is neat. And they'd be picking the huckleberries and such. And as they were picking the huckleberries, they started to say, I think they're building a huckleberry railroad. And then there was a gentleman named Bill Bland. Now Bill was a fruit salesman. And see, eventually this train went from Merrimack over to Blacksburg because Virginia Tech, Virginia Polytechnic Institute State University, was eventually getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they needed a railroad to service the, the college campus. So they came along and Bill was selling fruit and Bill said, you know, there is no way to sell any fruit to the cadets. They said, well, Bill, what's wrong? They said, you've got bananas and apples and oranges. You've got peanuts. You've got everything here at your fruit stand. You should be able to sell something to those boys. He says, no, they're riding in on this train. And this train is running so slow that those guys can jump off the train, pick huckleberries, and jump back on the train and not miss a beat. I'm never going to sell anything to these guys. They're full by the time they get here. And the Corps cadets love that name. So they went down to the Blacksburg Depot and they painted Huckleberry on the side of it. So everybody started calling it the Huckleberry at that point. And did it run slow? Oh, it ran really slow. One wise guy said, you know what they ought to do? What they ought to do is take the cow catcher off the front of the train. They should put it on the back of the train. That way the cows won't overrun the train. 